Andy, do you know anybody that might be able to uh, get me a membership out here at Riviera permanently? I feel like I this is this this is the spot for me. I feel like I could just I could I could spend a couple of days a week out here. I feel like for these type of questions, your go to solution just be call Keyshawn. <laughs> it's probably not a bad way. I mean, Key, Key, Key's got a few hookups. I was going to say Key is probably the most powerful person that you're legitimately friends with. Yes. Um, yes, I think that's true. I think that he 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 certainly has he, he has the ability to open more doors than anybody else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Key Key can make things happen. I'm doing it. I'm He's going, in the I'm NIL gonna, game. I'm going right to text USC. him after the show and just say, "Who do you know in the Palisades that can make this happen? Who does Key know in the Palisades? I'd, <laughs> I'd say roughly the Palisades. <laughs> everybody, everybody that's here. So I am live at Riviera Country Club. It is, of course, Tigers Tournament, the Genesis Invitational. Today is day one of the tournament. Of course, it is a four-day event. It is an elevated event. Play elevated. You can get your tickets for the weekend at GenesisInvitational.com. It is the biggest event going on this week and is one of my favorite weeks every single year that uh, get to come out here and watch these amazing players at this amazing course. And, and this is one of these things, like, L.A. kind of gets, you know, I don't know if it's a bad rap, but it has the reputation of, you know, the second something gets a little old, they tear it down and do a new thing. This place has been here since the 20s, and it still has this unbelievable charm and this unbelievable venue. I don't know if they got lucky or they had this unbelievable vision, but this thing has basically been here since right after World War One. And it just looks as good as it is the day that they open. It's terrific. I'm glad to hear that, actually, because I do think L.A. loses a lot of its landmarks, and, and it sucks to see. You know, yeah, they lose history. You, you, you do, but there's a, there's a ton of it. I'm like, you, you'll like this. You're a movie person. So where I'm sitting right now, I'm at, like, uh, between the 14th tee and green, and I can look over to the 13th hole, uh, the green. There's the bogey tree, and you might be thinking that the bogey tree means that bogey like you won over par in golf. That's not what this is. That is the bogey tree for Humphrey Bogart, who used to live right behind the golf course, and he would come out and smoke cigarettes next to that tree while the golfers would go through I was just going to say, like, that hole must have just reeked of smoke because that guy lived on it was basically cigarettes and booze was his entire diet yeah that's i mean that seems aggressive that that was the 30s or 40s or whenever whenever he was knocking around but that's it's a lot well this is back when doctors would actually prescribe that like you'd go to get your physical and the doctor would have a cigarette in his mouth asking you why you're not smoking enough I, okay, so, all right, this is a fun game. What is the thing that we're doing to ourselves now that 30 years from now you're going, wait, you used to do what? You used to, the doctor smoking as they would give you your exam seems like a fantasy land. There has to be something that 30, hmm. 40, 50 years from now we're going to say, no, you didn't really do that, did that's, you? Wow, that's a really interesting question because, like, I think everybody at this point now knows whatever damages that can be done to your body through alcohol. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's no longer a mystery about it. I, I'd say that's t- a conscious decision to yeah. do that. And I, I'd say uh, big tobacco has been exposed. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I got one for you. Sure. What about social media? I feel like we already know. Do we know? Do we know? Like just and maybe just like in, in a in a broader sense, just you know, to to kind of give it the boogeyman name, the algorithm. Where you just go further and further into these wormholes that are specifically designed for you that, that, yeah, Emily, exactly like that. That this thing that's, wait, if you spend more than 20 minutes a day looking at this stuff, your brain is irrevocably altered to 
you know, conspiracy theories or whatever it may be. Yeah. You get your, your brain DNA altered through this stuff. I feel like we know, but we just don't know the extent of it yet. Like, we, we're, we're going to know, like you said, in future generations, ju- the, there will be more studies, there will be more definitive data over the, you know, span of time, that sort of thing. But the truth is, and this is something I've been aware of for a while, human beings, we were not meant, we're not wired to be this connected with this many total strangers, strangers exactly. and have the ability to communicate en masse with virtually no repercussions whatsoever. Yeah. Well, we're not wired we know for this, of, at least. <laughs> no, no repercussions that we've put our finger on to this point. No, I mean, like, you can, you can be a total a-hole to oh, somebody yeah. with no repercussions. Like, you know, the, like the way we can be just super aggressive without any accountability... Like that, that as an offering is something that we are not as a global society equipped to handle. We're just not. Bring back the cigarettes. Is that, all I'm hearing is just, you know, Marlboro lights for everybody. Let's, uh, let's go back to the old oh, school. I so wish they were good for you. <laughs> I know that that was your deal. We've had that guy, you know, of, of, we, we all find a, you, you kind of figure out which bad habits you like and you don't like at an age when they're all kind of bad for you. Mm-hmm. And that was one of those, I don't know, seventh or eighth grade, you tried that first cigarette. I'm like, no, this is terrible. Uh, I don't ever want to do this. I know that can go a lot of different ways, but I got lucky on that one. I remember the first cigarette I ever had. I was like, why did I waste all these years not smoking? <laughs> like, I, I like, Where's this been my whole life? Oh, God. I'm like, when I was seven years old, I should have been lighting up, man. Like, there's years that I spent without cigarettes. <laughs> oh, they were so great. <laughs> you know, knock yourself out. All right. Um, so spring training is just about to get ready to get started. And, you know, Dodgers are maybe not quite as good as they were a year ago. Padres are a lot better than they were a year ago, and some players have moved around whatnot. The story, I think, at least in spring training at this point, is what happens with Otani. Because Otani is one of one. We've, we, I don't want to say we've never seen it before, but we haven't seen it in the better part of 100 years. Babe Ruth is really the only other guy that kind of did this, and he only did it for a period of a couple of years before he was an outfielder exclusively. You're talking about the most prodigious power hitter, maybe outside of Aaron Judge, and maybe the best pitcher in the American League. He's the same guy. He does both of those things. He's up for free agency at the end of this year. This is his sixth season with the Angels, and is he coming, is he going, is the story, at least of right now. Will they wait to, to trade him? Will they trade him early in the season? Will they wait for the deadline? Will he leave as a free agent? Will he resign? Et cetera, et cetera. He was asked when he showed up at spring training about whether or not he was open to a contract extension twice. He never really gave a definitive answer that, yes, I am interested, or no, I'm not interested. But what he did say was, as of now, I'm an angel, and that's what I want to focus on. He went on to say that I'm not really thinking about free agency right now. I've never been a free agent, so I don't know what it feels like. Like I said, I'm focused on the season. I'm not trying to think too far ahead. That's what Otani said. And if you are an angel fan, all I'm hearing is dun-dun-dun, he's gone. I mean, he's been dropping these breadcrumbs along the way about he wants to win, that he doesn't like losing, he doesn't like being out of it by the middle of the, you know, for the 4th of July or whatever it is. But any time, look, if you just want to get this thing to go away, say, of course I'm interested in an extension, we'll see what happens, and it kind of goes away. But this, oh, I'm an angel for now, is just a big lead balloon in the room. Look, he did not come all the way over here, and quite frankly, to do double the work of <laughs> everybody on the angels right to have this few wins to show for it and you know no postseason no anything like he is really busting his ass for very little return 
other than the historical significance of it. But it's like by now we know he can do this. You know what I mean? Like at this point, it's like, do I just want to keep doing this over and over with very little to show for it? And it's not like the the rings game in basketball. Like, you know, baseball players don't really get judged by Doesn't championships work like that yeah. the same way like quarterbacks in the NFL do or NBA players do. Like baseball, it's you need teams to make things happen and i think everybody understands this and like unless you've just been a postseason disaster mm-hmm. nobody holds it against you but it would be difficult for this guy who like you said is one of one in what he does to feel like i'm not i'm wasting my time well like, that's it right i mean when you show when he when he came over here the question was can he well, he clearly can. Okay, so we're, we're done with the can somebody do the thing that we've never seen before. Can you be a number one pitcher and can you be a number four hitter and hit 50 home runs? The answer is yes because he's done it a couple of times. So we're done with the canny or canty. The next part of it is can you, can you put him in a situation where we get to see it in games that matter? The Angels haven't played a game that matters past the 4th of July in his entire career, really. And – he wants to be on that stage. It's not because the can I check the box, the can I do it against, you know, uh, Mookie Betts in, in the seventh game of the World Series? Can I do it, you know, facing Clayton Kershaw in the seventh game of the World Series? That's the only thing that's left. And the road to do that in Anaheim, especially with Artie Moreno as the owner, seems to be pretty obvious. The answer is no. It's kind of crazy. You forget how long he's been with the Angels. Like, he's been there a while. This is his sixth year. Yeah. So this is a long time to feel like you are making no progress. And maybe, you know, Mike Trout doesn't seem to be bothered in the same way. And maybe there's like an, there's like an element of Stockholm syndrome with Trout. Like he's, he's just come to love his prisoners or the, the prisoning body, like <laughs> yeah. the, the people keeping him there. Sure. Like he's just in, look, he could go down as the greatest angel of all time. And at this point, maybe it's like, you know what? I'm so far along this path. Can I offer an alternate theory to that? Sure. Because I, I, I think that's mostly true, but I think there's another thing. Somebody says, hey, you want $450 million? The answer is yes. They, and especially if they're offering it to you before they have to offer it to you because, you know, my all of my disaster scenarios come from Looney Tunes, that anvils do fall out of the sky, pianos do run away down the street, and stuff happens. So when someone says, hey, you want four, yeah, I'll, I'll take your money. And I think he feels a certain sense of obligation to the people that have given him that money. Yeah. And, you know, Ota- I just also, too, with Otani, it's like he really rearranged his entire life to come over here and do this. Like, you know, Mike Trout has obviously put in the work and the sweat, and he clearly cares about baseball, and he has been one of the best players in baseball for, what, like a decade or so? Ten he's, years, yeah. Yeah, he's arguably been the best player in baseball. He's certainly been one of the best. But Otani uplifted his entire life. It's you know, it's not like he wasn't already great in Japan. He could have just stayed there and had an incredible career, probably with championships, things like that. Like, it's different for somebody like Otani to waste his time than Mike Trout to waste his time, even though... It's kind of a shame if either one of them are wasting their time. It's, let me, let me but give it's you different. It, it, it's very different. They, Otani is on the Angels. Trout is of the Angels, if, if there's a distinction there. it's. It, I think there's a little bit of the, the difference that you're describing. But let's say that you're Artie Moreno or you're Perry Manassian, the, the general manager, Phil Nevin, the manager, whoever is going to 
try to present the pitch to him to stay. What could you possibly say to him other than we'll write you the biggest check, which they won't. The Yankees and the Mets and the Dodgers and all these other deep-pocketed teams are going to be able to go dollar for dollar with a team like the Angels. But what is the pitch to, no, you need to stay with us? Because I can't come up with one. I mean, other than, I guess, competing with Trout to be the biggest icon in Angel history but um, if it were the Yan- yankee history sure now you have my attention don but Angels, right but, okay but, i'm better you're than never going to become Salmon? but you're never going to become that with the yankees or the dodgers like the, the yankees and dodgers cannot offer that to otani like in the same way that Le- when lebron came to the lakers he would have needed to win like six championships in a row before he would be considered anywhere higher than like the seventh or eighth greatest laker of all time like you know that was something and i think lebron knew this like, that's something the Lakers could not offer to him. And that's something the Dodgers and Angel, I mean, the Dodgers and Yankees cannot offer to Otani because they just have too many greats, like guys who've been lifers, stuff like that. Like, you're never going to be ahead of them. But the opportunity to win more is certainly going to be there more with the Yankees or with, you know, the Dodgers, much less other teams. Guys, I can't hear Emily. We need to make sure that she's connected to me real quick. Okay. Um, yeah. Emily? So, anyway, I'm sorry, Emily, to cut you off. I just can't hear you right now. So I, I, I can see you talking, but I just can't hear you. So we'll get that squared away. Could in you second. hear me? I can hear you. You okay. can hear you loud and clear, Andy. And I can see your gorgeous, non-Halo-like face right now. It, everything's kind of coming together perfectly. Have you decided? Can you hear me now, guys? Now yeah, I got now you. All right, yeah. Must be you? something with this mic that's do- being a little weird. But we had yeah. two tweets that I want to weigh in on that people are asking. One having to do with Commander and Chimp, which obviously is the most important thing we've talked about today, and about what we're going to think about in 30 to 40 years. So this is Matt, who says, the important question is, Who's going to play the love interest? And he says, I'm getting Jennifer Tilly vibes for Commander and Chip. So what do you guys think about that? Sold. Okay. You're getting into some real BoJack Horseman vibes here right now. Like, there for there's going to be a lot of people resistant to this premise just from the beginning because, you know, they just, they don't have the mind expansion necessary. You start throwing in monkey dating Jennifer Tilly <laughs> might turn a few people off. Yeah. Um, well, then again, uh, Shape of Water did pretty well. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll it do, won an Oscar. We'll, yeah. we'll focus group this. We'll see We'll see what <laughs> resonates and what doesn't. We'll make some now, decisions Now, okay, you could, though, have Jennifer Tilly as the love interest of either the former president, Bob Johnson, or the scheming vice president. Works. Look, I like Jennifer Tilly attached to this. I think this would be interesting if she were inclined to to get on board. But yeah, we we can find a role. She'd have for to leave the poker the circuit. <laughs> yeah, she's a pretty good poker player. She is really good. She's <laughs> no, no doubt. No I, doubt. And I have one more too. Also, driving. This is from JC. He says, "In thirty to forty years, all cars will be self-driven." And people will ask, "Seriously, you used to drive yourselves everywhere?" Yeah, uh, check your news feed as uh, that <laughs> that gets done, and and see how that's working out. And we can. We're not we there can, yet. <laughs> no, we're not. We are definitely not. All right. Uh, LeBron played last night, and the Lakers looked. Andy, can I say it? Did they look good? They, they looked look good. really, really good. They look good. They look pretty darn good. That's coming up next. It's Travis Lee, seven ten, ESPN.
Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news! Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. A little bit of sad news, Andy. Um, Baseball Hall of Famer Tim McCarver, i seeing him come on Twitter, that he just passed away, uh, 82 years old. I know you are a St. A Louis, Louis. how do I say that? When, what's the proper uh, from conjugation the of it? You're I'm from, from the Louis, Louis. and I'm proud. And, uh, of course, Tim McCarver spent a, a good portion of his career there. Uh, a lot of people roughly our age grew up with Tim McCarver being the color voice of national baseball uh, on Fox for years and years and years. Uh, 82 years old, Tim McCarver uh, passed earlier today. Yeah, it's sad news. As a, I remember a lot of him as a commentator, very sort of quirky personality. You know, he, mm-hmm. he was different than a lot of other guys doing it. Do you? Do you have a, a something that kind of jumps into your mind? Because when, when I hear the name Tim McCarver, there's one very specific thing that pops into my mind, and that was that moment with Deion Sanders during the World Series where Sanders kept pouring the bucket of water on him over, and, and McCarver was getting angrier and angrier and angrier. And McCarver was you know, a lot older than Deion at that point, but he, he got to the point where he was having none of it anymore. And kind of, you know, you're a real man, Deion, for hitting him with the water because he'd been critical of him going back and forth between baseball and football and Dion was was bothered by that but that when I think of McCarver that's the very first thing that pops into my head because McCarver was not having it anymore no you know I don't have any real specific memories of McCarver as much as I remember that because he he had a I, I think a very distinctive style as a color commentator and, and as an analyst that a lot of people either really liked him or really didn't like him like you know he was not somebody that was sort of universally beloved like like a Vin Scully like mm-hmm. someone like that that was not just great at his job but very very easy to enjoy like I remember Tim McCarver there being people who didn't like how he called games or didn't sure. like how he was in a booth and I don't think it was so much that they thought he was bad at it, as much as like his style was different and it wasn't what they were used to and, and what they I guess sort of wanted from that but you know guys like him you remember for being different how many buckets of ice water would I have to hit you with before you'd want to beat me up? Um, how quickly are you done with the first? <laughs> like I remember when I, when Ireland was doing his whole ridiculous bucket of water thing. I'm like, he did it to Sliwa. I know it, it wasn't really a full on bucket of water. It was a, it was a, a large, pail. It was like a big gulp sized yeah. bucket. Yeah, I, you better have your hands up. That's all I'm going to say. Because like that's at that point you're just using me as a prop. And I'm not here to be somebody's prop. 
No, no, that that uh, you better pick that person very, very carefully yeah. because that that's one of those things. Like I always use this as the ultimate example. There are some people think that we're going to do the um, the routine of going to have a fight, and then there are people that are there to fight. I go back to when Chris Paul and Rajon Rondo got into it a few years ago, and Chris Paul thought we were going to do the thing where I pretend I want to fight and you pretend you want to fight, and we both wait for our teammates to get there and separate us. Rajon Rondo was there to fight. <laughs> and then the second Chris Paul said something that got him to the, oh, we're going to fight, Rondo's hand was already halfway to his face. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I'm, I'm, that's the difference. I'm not declaring myself like this, you know, universal badass whose fists need to be registered with the government or something like that. I'm just saying. I think you are. I am. I'm saying I'm not declaring it. I know what I am. Um, I just, I'm not, I'm not going to react well to that. I'm not going to like that. Like, I'm not, like, Sliwa maybe is just better equipped to roll with it or, you know, yes-and it. I will yes-and damn near anything. I don't think I'm going to yes-and that. I think he has a quiet <laughs> fury of a secret agent. That's kind of what Slee does. He has a quiet fury of a secret agent and then plots for the future. Well, he's he can't always, tip his hand. He, yeah. it, look, if, if he lets it out of the bag that he has a special set of skills, then his, the jig is up. Yeah, it's Then we'll all, all know what he's doing when he's not here. So this is one of these things that I have to pretend that I'm this mild-mannered. He has to always be in Clark Kent mode around us. Yeah, I mean, he has to maintain a cover. And then when that person is sleeping, Sliwa will kill him. <laughs> there you go. All right. So Embiid is saying he's going to play with the idea of whether or not he's going to play uh, in the All-Star game, that he's nursing an injury. He wants to be ready to go for the last portion of the season, et cetera, et cetera. LeBron had missed the previous three games. He played last night. All-Star game coming up uh, before too long. That's the next event on his calendar before they come back and take on, I think it's the Warriors is their first game coming out of the, uh, the All-Star break. They have to have him. Without LeBron being not just healthy but playing the way he has most of the season, their chances go from slim to none. Should he just – you know, I'm not saying don't go. I'm not saying don't put on a suit and, you know, high-five guys and pick your team and do all that stuff. But does he need to run up and down the court even 10 times, even if it's at 30% speed? Because He's played in, what, 10 million of these before? It's not like this is the last one he's ever going to get a chance to do. This just feels like one that if you were going to skip it, this is the set of circumstances to say, you know what, I don't think so. Well, the way I see it is he should play in it, finger quotes, but not play in it. Yeah. Like, he should do five perfunctory ceremonial minutes where, you know, LeBron James, you know, he's the captain of this team. You know, they're going to take their cues from him, Travis. It's very important that the captain <laughs> set is there the tone. to set the tone. <laughs> um, you know, he should do five minutes of leisurely work. That is pretty much the way the, these things all begin anyway. And my attitude is if he can't handle that, he's probably not going to make it through the season anyway. So I don't think those five minutes are going to make or break it. That said, he should not play 30 minutes in this game. Thirty, like He should not be doing a lot in it. But I'd like to think that he can handle five minutes. I, I remember years ago, there, Kobe one time was pretty close to an injury when he was in the All-Star game, and he played like four minutes. Yeah. It, it's fine. He shouldn't I, – if he hits double-digit for minutes, I will be a little bit disappointed. Yeah, well, it's, it's a weird deal because – and I think that, you know, never mind that the Lakers needed better players and they got some better players at the deadline, et cetera, et cetera. But perhaps other than hey, we need somebody to make some shots, we need better players full stop is we at least need to be able to buy LeBron another 
five minutes per game to not be in there. To be able to be a, to have D'Lo out there or Beasley or Vanderbilt or whoever it may be, and now you got Hachimura too. These these guys that we the only way they had a chance to win games was for LeBron to play 35, 40, 42 minutes a night, and that's why he just had to miss the better part of a week. And if he doesn't play 40 minutes a night, you're not going to win. If you do play him 40 minutes a night, you still might not win, and you're going to miss him for a long period of time. It's this ultimate catch-22 situation. But now with these other guys and seeing what we saw last night, it just, like you know, we can take him off the court for five minutes. And he's still going to have to play a lot of minutes, but he doesn't have to play every minute the way that he was. That's as important to what they did over the last week or so than just saying, okay, D'Angelo Russell's a pretty good three-point shooter. That's going to help us. You can take him off the court an extra four or five minutes a night. Hopefully. I mean, that that should be the goal with, you know, more legitimate depth, more true rotation guys out there. Like, they are now playing with a rotation you know, they had a 10-man rotation last night. Uh, Lonnie Walker, as I figured would be the case, ended up the guy getting squeezed. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes sense because there's really there's really no role for him. When Malik Beasley was coming off the bench, he and Walker are too similar in both their strengths and their weaknesses. They're basically the same player. And even when Beasley got moved in the starting lineup, Schroeder is coming off the bench. He's going to stay in the rotation. You need a point guard coming off the bench. Austin Reeves is a secondary playmaker and one of their best defensive players and one of their best outside shooters. He's going to be playing. Rui Hachimura, who got moved to the bench, he's going to play. Troy Brown is definitely going to play. And for no, if nothing else, for the time being, they're going to have Mo Bamba playing because they want to get a look at him, see about you know his potential fit this season and moving forward. There's nowhere for Lonnie to play, but all those guys that I mentioned – they are all legit rotation players. Yep. Like, I think most, if not all of them, would be at least in the rotation for a good team. You know, like a, a legitimate NBA team. I think they'd all have at least a place on those teams. You couldn't say that before. That's a big difference in and of itself. And and those those couple of minutes here and there could be the difference between getting him to the finish line and not. Like if it's it's like that thing, right? If the tires down there, it's going to go anyway. But if we can at least get to the garage before it goes for sure, then I, I think we've at least got it to the point where we can get to the garage. Factor Cap is coming up next. It's Travis Slee, and he's in for Slee on seven ten ESPN. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 
Hey guys, Trav, has a tiger brushed by you, introduced himself to you yet? Uh, you know, and like, I'm so glad we... to meet you, the <laughs> Travis Rogers. I'm hoping that maybe we meet up for a drink later and just kind of, you know, connect. Uh, no, he's teeing off at about noon from number one, so I don't think he's going to get to where I'm sitting here on the 14th hole by the time that I'm done for the day. But rest assured that the second that I am done at 112 with Super Crosstalk M, I'm going to go find Tiger Woods and enjoy the golf. Maybe 115, maybe 115. Maybe, right. when, we'll see. <laughs> All right, so up first, uh, this one I just, you know, randomly thought about, but Air Bud is more believable than a chimp president. <laughs> uh, Andy, <laughs> fat your cap. Why do you keep playing the role of this studio exec getting fired, Emily? I'm just being <laughs> realistic, you, guys. Well, okay, you know, you know who probably got fired, too? Who? Multiple studio execs who said Air Bud isn't realistic. <laughs> and that thing turned into a hit, Emily. Franchise. Okay, okay, like, okay. For, for somebody who considers themselves, you know, like a movie maven, you know, like somebody who really knows her stuff, mm-hmm. with cinema, you seem pretty, dare I say, backward to me. I'm just saying, we're kind of past the chimp prime. The chimp prime was early, late, like late 90s, early 2000s. It's the chimp see, prime. No, no, see, dealing... this is this is your, <laughs> your inexperience is showing right Travis here. Travis knows where I'm going with this. <laughs> Go ahead, Andy. <laughs> Perhaps you've never heard of a little movie called Every Which Way You yes. Can. And, and Every Which Way But Loose. Every Which Way But Loose. There were, uh, Bedtime Emily, on, for Bonzo starring former President though. Ronald Reagan. N- not <laughs> only was this an era of network television being the only option you really had, there were not one, but two chimp-based network television so, primetime shows. When was this? In the 80s, early oh, 80s. Oh, okay. So it's 40 years ago. The point being, whatever, <laughs> whatever is old is new, Emily. Your inexperience is really glaring right now. Okay. I feel like you should take a step back. How many times do I keep having to say the effing word timeless, Emily, when talking about <laughs> Commander and Chimp before you figure this out? Indeed. I don't know, guys. Uh, Trav? <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I just feel like you really kind of don't grip or grasp, I should say, the overall brilliant themes behind Commander. It's not just an animal movie. It is a, a, a commentary, a social commentary. It's an American story. Are you is apolitical, what it is. Emily? Like, is that just what it is? You don't follow politics? You don't understand how the machine works, yeah, how the sausage yeah, what, is Yeah, what's politics? I, I have no idea what's going on whatsoever. Well, you don't have any idea what's going on with this movie. That's very clear. Right, exactly. Taylor? I've seen Idiocracy, and I know that this is a very this is a very real future that could that could be upon us. If anything, us. it's not satirical enough. <laughs> yeah, needs to get but a more dog farcical, a dog dribbling a basketball. Come on! Ridiculous. Didn't we have a movie where a donkey kicks field goals too? Oh my I, I feel we've had multiple. Oh yeah, that was a God. What movie was that? There, 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 that yes. movie existed where a donkey kicked field goals. <laughs> yes. Okay, so speaking of amazing cinema. I bought my tickets to see Cocaine Bear this morning, so I'm so excited. I'm going to go see it next Thursday. Super stoked. But if you had to fight a cocaine dog or a cocaine cat, you would want to fight the cocaine dog. Travis, Patrick Cap. No, Cap. I would rather take the cat. I feel like this comes down to just a a matter of physics at some point that – a, a dog could be upwards of, you know, 60, 70 pounds if it's the right coked up, you know, canine. Okay. But even the biggest cat I have a distinct advantage against, even with its little claws and its little teeth. I, I don't even if it was peaking, I don't know how much damage it could do to me. I could get my hands on it. A dog could could really mess me up. So give me the uh, give me the coked up cat. Andy, it depends a lot on whether or not that cat's declawed. 
<laughs> Let me tell you something. I'm assuming it's not declawed. It's going to be like a stray cat. Oh, it's feral. A, yeah. a feral coked up cat? Yes. I'm not going to lie. You don't want to mess with that. <laughs> like, Yeah, but once you got your hands on it, Andy, it's kind of over. It is so hard to control cat paws. Like as somebody who's had a cat before and had an uncooperative cat. Like, it, our Isn't vet, that I'm, just I'm, cats? I'm not joking. Our vet, we had to find a new one because Ooh. our vet stopped seeing our cat. <laughs> like his crate had all it was her crate uh, belly r.i.p belly's crate had all these different stickers on it that basically was her progression towards eventually getting kicked out by the vet and there was <laughs> there was first the sticker had this c on it that stood for caution okay. like caution <laughs> and then there was one that on top of that, that said caution may bite and then there was another on top of this and caution will bite, will bite. <laughs> does bite <laughs> and actually people can find this at cam brothers on my Twitter feed, I did one time like a live tweeting of bringing my cat to the vet for like the first time in five years because <laughs> she was so uncooperative they couldn't do anything with it. And they were running behind so the cat had to stay in the crate and they eventually ended up not seeing the cat wow. because they, could, they couldn't get her out. or get Back of the line for oh. Billy. <laughs> Taylor? As long as it's not a cocaine raccoon, I'm, I'm going to be happy. But I think I have a better chance against a cat because, I mean, worst comes to worst, I can just boot it like that donkey kicking a field goal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, this is I found this on TikTok this morning. This uh, Do you guys know what a beauty blender is? So if I if I said uh, I got a beauty blender, you guys know what it is? I do not. Is it like a makeup tool? So it's a makeup tool in which it's like a little sponge. I don't know if you're... you're uh, partners have had it but you just kind of use it to blend the makeup in your face anyway it's kind of a small tool little tiny sponge so this woman uh ordered on target like delivery and in the box they said they couldn't find the beauty blender so she got instead delivered two blenders so literal <laughs> like <a> kitchen aid <laughs> big blenders so uh you have made big mistakes while shopping for a woman in your life where she asked you to get something else and you thought you were doing well and she got you got completely the wrong thing uh andy fetter cat that's fact i i find shopping for gifts difficult and stressful i just do it's hard <laughs> trev um, not big like that, but little things like, so if somebody says to you, go to the store and get, you know, milk, for instance, so, okay, fine. I can do that. And I will buy what looked to be the same carton of milk that I've seen in our refrigerator a hundred times before. And you get it there and there's 18 different specs on the can or on the carton of milk that I didn't even know existed. And I grabbed the wrong one. So they're always generally off, which I would argue works to our favor, Andy, because eventually they stop asking you to do it. It's much easier for them just to go do it themselves as opposed to tell you to get it. You get the wrong thing. You bring it in. Then you have to have an argument about how it's the wrong thing, and then you have to defend yourself because you didn't tell me what to get. You told me just to get milk. This is milk. Therefore, I'm right, and it becomes its whole thing. So it, it ultimately works to our advantage to get it wrong early and often so we don't have to worry about Except it. Except they never forget the process <laughs> leading up to that. Fair. It never goes away. Fair. Hypothetically. Taylor? Yeah, fact. Uh, I think I was 20 years old. I was in a long-distance relationship, and this girl had talked about wanting this necklace for a long time, and I got it for her, and she, she came to visit for a week. So I spent a week with her, and I was so unobservant that I didn't realize she was wearing the necklace the whole time, and at the end of the week, I gave her the same necklace. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, uh, just stupid on my part. Look, you, you, everybody needs a backup, right? You need, you need never know when you're going to misplace something or it gets dirty. It's nice to have a spare. Or it's the travel necklace. Then whether one <laughs> right. stays at home, you know, you can have options here. Or, no, she has two. Or she can sell it. All right, so uh, Brandon. Gowden, Gowden, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right, but he has just recently been named as the new play-by-play for uh, the Atlanta Braves. So he released on his Twitter a letter he wrote to Skip Carey, who uh, had the job at the time, asking him, you know, how do you become a Braves announcer? How do you get into this business when he was 13 years old? So you would have done something like this. You would have written a letter to someone like this at 13 years old. Taylor, factor cap. Uh, cap. No, I don't think I had that in me when I was 13. Too cowardly. Andy? 13, I was too busy looking for cigarettes. I didn't have time for writing letters. <laughs> Andy's in the back lot of the 7-Eleven asking drifters to buy him a pack. <laughs> I was writing Camel Joe. <laughs> Dear old Marlboro man, if you can find it in your heart. Trev? Um, no. I, you know, I would like, I think most 13-year-olds, unlike, um, this this guy that you're talking about, Emma, got the brave job. Most 13 year olds are delusional nincompoops, like I was, right? <laughs> you don't you don't think about, oh, I'm going to become the play by play guy for my local team. You think I'm going to pitch for my local team. I'm I'm going to be the center fielder on my local team. I'm going to be the quarterback. I was the one thinking, how do I get to Aaron Donald to ask him how to get 25 sacks in a year? I was an idiot, like most kids. So the idea of that, like a actual achievable career path as a young person, um, that the the idea of hey. Ask the guys that have the jobs you want. That didn't occur to me until I was about 23 years old. <laughs> that was a little bit late in the game, and by then you're just a loser who's behind the eight ball as opposed uh, to a precocious kid. I, I, It really sneaks up on you, like just how f- fast your career can be set into motion before you even realize what the hell is going on. Like, yes. it, you know, it's funny. My, my daughter... She's she is legitimately a really really good artist. She she draws extremely well for her age, and she's talked about like wanting to go to specifically an art college or even not going to college and just trying to work straight out of high school. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of me that you know thinks like you want to have some type of degree and also like you know just the experience of being in college. And then there's another part of me going, you know what? She's got it figured out. Go like, for it. Just. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Cut out the middleman. Like, if you can draw the way I think she seems to be on track towards doing, they're not going to care if you have a degree or not. They're going to care about the work you can produce and the experience you have. That That is one of those, and, and I can hear it in your voice, and I've done it with my own kids. It's like, you just need to find what you want to do and then go find a way to do it. Mm-hmm. There, there is no path. And, this, and the, the quicker you figure out, I want to be over there, there's not one road to it. There's a hundred roads to it. You just need to figure out where you want to get to, and then you can figure it out from there. So if it's with drawing or 
broadcasting for the Braves, there there are multiple ways, but I still thought that Fernando Valenzuela was in my future. That That, that is something that's a very specific path, and not very many people get to do it. All right. It was today in 1992, February 16, 1992. Big day in Laker history, and who gets their big day next? That's coming up. It's Travis Slee. Andy's in for Slee on 710 ESPN. So the leader is coming through right now. Matt Kuchar is uh, on the top of the leaderboard here at the Genesis Invitational, coming through the 14th hole where I am sitting right now. It is one of my favorite spots, one of my favorite events in the entire year. Calendar, sports calendar here, Andy. The Genesis Invitational, you get tickets for this weekend at genesisinvitational.com. It, of course, is the Tiger Woods Tournament. It has the elevated status that only a handful of tournaments have this year this is one of the big ones so you know all the very best players in the world are out here if you are a golf person i don't need to tell you what this place means if you are not a golf person here's what i can tell you there are like 10 golf courses in the in the country that everybody knows this is one of them this is one of the big tournaments maybe the they've got the four majors you got the players and then probably this one is is the biggest uh non-major of the year outside of the players it's pretty cool I mean, it's always cool to witness stuff like this that actually has, like, history and character attached to it. Like, where it's it's about more than just the sport itself. It's the entire environment and vibe. That's pretty awesome. It really is. Um, this is why I, I like our show for a variety of different reasons. But on the, you know, I, Emily knows this. Andy, you know this about me, too. I have this weird memory for the minutiae of things that happened a long time ago. But I could not pull the name of the donkey field goal kicking movie gus was the name of that movie and a variety of the listeners have informed it still doesn't i remember there being a movie but i don't remember it being named gus i remember vaguely this movie it uh came out in 1976 (laughs) quite a cast actually you got your ed asner no, you, yeah, I mean, Lou Grant was in Gus. I actually, I'm going to start reading this cast. It really, really makes sense. Okay. Okay, Ed Asner, that, he's sort of your gravitas. He, yes, he, he's, he's your heavy. He gives this credibility. <laughs> Don Knotts. Okay, Mr. Furley. Tim Conway. Love oh, Tim wow. Conway. Dorf on golf. Dick Van Patten. Oh, my gosh. Bob Mr. Crane, Bradford. Bob Crane. Oh, well, I mean, there we go. there's a lot we could say about he, Bob Gray. He, he brought a lot to the set, just a lot. His own set frequently as well. Yes, uh, but obviously I, iconic in his own right, Hogan's yes. Heroes. Tom Bosley, Mr. Cunningham. Mr. Cunningham. Mr. C. Wow. And then uh, Dick Butkus not playing himself. He played a character. Ah, yes, Rob Cargill or Cargill. How? This movie, why when like you Citizen Kane, like they're these <laughs> iconic movies. How is Gus not among them? Uh, I mean, the world probably wasn't ready. I mean, in was, 1976. Well, it was the you know the 70s were a very turbulent time. We were very close to the war having just ended. Like Watergate had just Watergate. Gone. Like it was a very disillusioned time for this country, and they just runaway inflation. Yes, you know, <laughs> gas crisis out of control. Of course. Just, was this a cartoon movie? Was this a real live? Did you action not hear movie? the cast, Emily? These are heavyweights okay. of cinema. But they could time. be an animated feature. That is true. <laughs> they could. It, be. it was not. It was a uh, at least a, you know I'm talking a little bit out of my year here i don't recall it being animated i believe no, it was no, it's a, a live action. action movie i remember yes. this that that donkey had real range <laughs> he, had, he had a leg <laughs> it's on disney plus right now too if we wanted to watch oh, th- it well so. this was okay people like emily you are too young to remember this and <laughs> this is ironic that i'm saying this on on this here air this was during the period where disney 
was known for its movies being crap. <laughs> they just well, they, this is the exception that proves the rule. Right. Oh my they, they they produced very uh You got to cut his mic off. <laughs> very well, elevator pitch crap. <laughs> That's this, what this, they Well, did. this was too the era of like Herbie the Love Bug, yes, right? Yes. Where you had a talking beetle with Buddy Hackett driving the car. <laughs> and go. I'm looking was at Was it Buddy Hackett or Buddy Epson? Um I think it was Buddy Hackett, but I will look it up right now. <laughs> the, the, the description for this movie is called The Inept California Adams Floundering in the Cellar of the National Football League Welcome the team's newest member, a, a mule capable of place-kicking a football 100 yards with deadly accuracy. Oh, okay, now this is also, too, very much of its time. The announcers for these games included Dick Enberg, of course. <laughs> Stu Nahan. <laughs> Stu Nahan had that role on lock for yep. like 25 years. Uh, Local sportscaster Stu Nahan was in Rocky. He was in oh, Fast yeah. Times. He, he was had the in cameo. Gus. Yeah, I was going to say Fast Times, that cameo. Also, uh, Richard Keel from uh, Jaws and uh, The Longest Yard was wow. also in this movie. No, oh, Richard Keel, the big guy. Yeah, the big <laughs> guy. Yes, and yes, is a yes. year after Jaws, too. It's like, it, I don't Terrific. know. I, the I, photos are is, amazing. They, look, they, they they knew how to make movies back in the seventies, like Gus. This is a this is a big deal. <laughs> and you want um, to so be in the vein of this? <laughs> we've discussed Gus today. Uh, here's another tweet for us, Andy. This is from VB. It says, "You guys are having a great show today, Andy. You're killing us with the closet story. Haven't enjoyed sports radio this much in a while. I I really feel like there's a lot more to the um, when when you and your wife went to the hospital to deliver your daughter." Um, that you were placed into a utility closet because the the hospital was overbooked. And I, I I need like what was your and more importantly what was her reaction to being put in among the mops and gauze pads? Unhappy, very <laughs> displeased. Very, statement. <laughs> just it wasn't good. And then for that technician to come in there, recognize my name, and want to start talking Lakers. I mean, just, I'm like, dude, seriously, read the closet. <laughs> not the time for this. And I'm just getting looks from my wife. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not bringing any of this up. I'm not engaging. I'm not doing any of it. It's not my fault he recognized my last name. It's not my fault that my Lakers coverage is so incredible that, you're that he so wants famous. to be a part of this. Yeah. yeah like, look, I, don't blame my unbelievable skills in connecting with Laker fans yeah. for your discomfort. Don't punish me for being so good at my job that in the middle of your labor pains, the technician wants to talk some shop. How long were you in the um, janitor's closet before they moved you to an L&D room? It, it felt like seven months. Um, it was... <laughs> I don't know, maybe an hour or something. I don't know, the whole thing is a blur that I've just tried to forget. It's almost uh, a Joseph and Mary situation. <laughs> not enough room at the inn. Oh, <laughs> I mean, this was brutal. It was absolutely... It helped a little bit once my wife got the epidural, but still, it was rough. How old is your daughter? 11. So this happened 11 years ago. Yeah. Is it something that your wife can joke about now or still no? She can joke about it. But, you know, like all jokes, there's a little bit of truth attached to it. <laughs> sure. I don't, she's never gotten over how rough it was. I don't think she's ever gotten completely over the annoyance of the technician coming in and wanting to talk about whether or not the Lakers <laughs> could possibly three-peat. <laughs> I don't think she's ever quite gotten past that. Did it make her dislike the Lakers? 
Did she Look, did have some negative associations along the way? Dude, she hates my job so much as it is. Like, what's like, one more thing? Actively hates or just disinterested in the subjects that you cover? Both. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I, I had this. The second one is more my existence. Like, she doesn't hate it, obviously. But like, she if, if I have a basketball game on in the background, she she's not angry about it. But she really could not care at all about the outcome of the particular. No, my game. wife is actually a sports fan. Like, she's a diehard Cowboys fan. She's a die hard Dodgers fan it's more just I mean you know this this is a career with very strange hours it's yeah. very unpredictable you know you're always working holidays you're always working weekends or events that's the part of it like every year like I still get this you you have to work on Christmas I'm like it's been this way <laughs> since you met me like Yes, Same thing do. every year. Lakers so, aren't playing another day. The the unpredictability thing reminds me of a story. So um, Susan's dad, who was really really good guy, and and I, I think he liked me a lot. Um, he he died about ten or twelve years ago. But when he was very very sick, he was in and out of the hospital, and he was um, they were putting him on a, a number of different medications and, and pain relievers and all of these sorts of things. And you know sometimes you get the fog of the anesthesia and all these things and you start speaking truths without understanding that you're telling them to certain people my I, i'd been in my career 20 years at this point and i you know i'd done okay i'd, I'd made a living i'd put food on the table and all of these things and he was telling susan in this this uh, anesthesia haze that <laughs> that i needed to get a real job <laughs> that, 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 that you don't understand this is not going to last forever this is something that is completely unreliable he needs to learn a trade he needs to understand <laughs> that he's going to have to work for a living at some point i'm like well he kept that hidden pretty good for the 20 years prior to uh him getting sick so your wife is not the only one that feels like that 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 tenuous sense of am i going to have a job a year from now she's not the only one my father-in-law carried that for 20 years before he slipped into the uh the the the, the anesthesia gave him the truth serum my mom's grandmother grandma sophie was quite frankly a mean woman she just was she's from she was from poland um you know had like a heavy accent and was just had a rough personality. She told my mom on her wedding day, I'm not joking, white was never your color. <laughs> on oh on her God. wedding day. That's her daughter? Yeah, no, it's her granddaughter. She's, okay. just, she's wow. my she was my mom's grandmother. But her son, my grandfather, was a salesman. And he, he did like a lot of you know, back this was back in the day when traveling salesmen were a thing. Sure. And he was he was really good at it. He did he did well for himself. And my father is an ophthalmologist. And when, when I guess my parents were engaged, they were having some type of dinner or maybe the, afterwards, whatever. But she said at one of these dinners with my mom and dad there and my grandparents there to my mom, I'm so glad you you married a schmott doctor instead of a dumb salesman. <laughs> Thanks, mom. And there was no anesthesia. There was no anesthesia that you could blame on. She this. was just nasty. Oh, she was lucid. She was completely lucid. That's how she yeah, was. At least I have the fog of drugs to fall <laughs> yes, back on. Exactly. Your uh, great grandmother was just mean. She was. She was just mean and cruel. All mean right. The, the anniversary back in 1992, uh, February 16th. We'll get into it next. It's Travis Slee. Andy's in for Slee. 710 ESPN.